Thanks for joining me as we take a look at the book of Numbers. It's more than just counting. It's studying and learning more about the character of God and the expectations that he has on us as his people. Let's dig in. Well, here we go into week two in our study of Numbers. I'm curious to know what you thought about the homework last week, what stood out to you. That's the only difficulty as we have a remote class or you're doing this kind of online or on podcast method that I don't get to interact with you. I don't get to find out what you thought about it. Um, I thought even though I've done it so many times, again, every week there's still some stuff that stand out to me. For me, it was in day two of the homework, just the reminder of what the Levite's responsibility was. The responsibility was given to them of transporting the tabernacle and taking care of the tabernacle and camping around the tabernacle. Just that is what they were assigned to do. And there wasn't really a choice. It wasn't like they could choose and say, you know what, I I don't feel like doing that this week. Why can't I go join the tribe of Dan and be uh, a military guy? Or why can't, or even like, why can't a tribe of Benjamin guy decide that he wants to be a Levite and he wants to help take care of the tabernacle? It was very specifically assigned. They couldn't just trade around. Um, I think that we have freedom in what we choose to do in these days, but there are still for us today certain tasks that God has called us to that we have to live inside those tasks and we have to live inside our gifts and inside of our calling. Sometimes we try to escape and decide we want to do something else and that was just a reminder for me in this week as we worked through the homework. So now in this podcast, before you begin your homework in week number two, I hope I go a little more smoothly. I hope I say a few less ums than I did last time. Maybe we're get, I'm getting used to this Maybe. Um, But today in this podcast, we're going to look at three different things. We're going to look at where did these tribes come from? So we've read about the 12 tribes. We counted the numbers of men 20 years and older by name in these 12 tribes. But where did they come from? How did we decide these were the 12 tribes? Where does the word of God say this is what happened and this is how they became the tribes of Israel? Um, The second thing we're going to look at is the Passover lamb and God's claim on the firstborn from that Passover, the very first time as the Israelites were running away and escaping to Egypt. Um, And then finally, the third thing we're going to look at is um, basically what's up with these Levites. I mean, I've just talked about their task was the tabernacle, but we're going to really dig into like, what's the story with them? Why do they get the tabernacle and all the other 12 tribes? Because They're not really counted in one of the 12 tribes. They get their own name at some point of there's 12 tribes plus the Levites. Um, They're the only ones that aren't assigned to do the military in the war. So what's up with that and how did they get that? So first we're going to start with the 12 tribes. Uh, we, ha- we have the 12 tribes listed. You wrote them in your homework as you put the numbers if you completed the homework. If you're doing this without a book, I'm going to name them just to make sure we're all on the same page and checking. There was Reuben, Simeon. Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. Those are the 12 tribes. So to look at where they came from and how they were formed, we have to go back in time. This podcast, this lesson is really going to be a lot of storytelling, but I feel like we have to go back and look at Genesis and Exodus and understand God's working in his plan from Genesis and Exodus and how we got to where the Israelite people are today in the book of Numbers. If you have a handout, which I think 
Um, the newer books have the handout. Our older books don't have the handout. Um, the first edition of the book printing doesn't have the handout. But there is a graph there that has the printed form of the 12 tribes of Israel. And beginning with Abraham and Sarah, they had Isaac. Isaac and Rebecca, they had Jacob. And then Jacob had Leah and Rachel. That was a whole messy story that you may have read last week when I said look at Genesis and you can check out um, the story that was kind of complicated between Rachel and Leah and marrying Jacob. And then Leah's maidservant Zilpah and Rachel's maidservant Billah. Those are not names I would recommend naming your children. But um, I would also not recommend naming your children Rachel and Leah if they're sisters, but that might happen as well. So uh, just read the book in the word and then you'll see what I'm talking about when I say that. So what happened is Jacob, he was married to Rachel and Leah and had those two maidservants. Um, Jacob had a son he loved more than any of the other sons. I think this is a familiar story. We all know that son was Joseph. Joseph's the guy in the in the Bible that had the coat of many colors. If you've heard very few Bible stories. This is probably one that you would somewhat say, like, I think I heard a story about this guy named Joseph. He had the coat of many colors. He was so loved by his father, and he was the, uh, the other brothers were very jealous. It's also a great example and reminder, don't have favorites in your children. Don't do that. It doesn't lead to anything good. Um, that Joseph was so loved by his dad and the other brothers that the other brothers all decided that they were going to throw him into a pit. They were going to take his coat of many colors, destroy it. Joseph would be in the pit. They would go back and show their father and say, Dad, look what happened. He got attacked and now he died and here's his coat so you can have it back. And that would make Jacob very sad, but the brothers would be done with Joseph and never have to deal with him again. What the brothers didn't know is that Joseph was rescued out of the pit and eventually sold to the guy who was in charge of Egypt as a slave. He went through several steps. He got sold to some people, then he got sold into Egypt, and then Potiphar called him as his own. And there's a lot of steps in getting there. But bottom line, he ended up very alive and well and gradually became super important in the land of Egypt, even being the second in charge of things in the land of Egypt. Now, there came a famine in Canaan. Canaan is where uh, Joseph, I'm sorry, Jacob and all of his other 11 sons who are still alive, they still live. And they knew that they had to get to Egypt to get some food because Egypt had some food, but they did not have food in their land. So the long story short through several, again, you can read this in the book of Genesis, but through several episodes of the brothers showing up at Egypt desiring the food asking for food Joseph recognizing his brothers but the brothers did not recognize Joseph and a long complicated story long story short the brothers find out the father finds out Joseph is, uh, is alive not only is Joseph alive but he has forgiven them and he says please everybody come and move into Egypt because I love you and there's plenty of food to eat here and I can help take care of you here so that takes us to Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read that if you have time to look, at, um, to look it up yourself. You can. We're going to look at about seven different passages today. So if you have your Bible handy as you're listening to the podcast, it's going to be in Genesis and Exodus. So it's not going to be a lot, but we are going to be turning quite a bit in this podcast. So Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Remember, Jacob's the dad. These are the sons who came with him. 
Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Those are the ones that we just read. So that's 11 of them. The total number of Jacob's descendants was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt, which we know. So here we have Jacob with his 12 sons. At this time, before the Israelites go into slavery, before anything else happens, we know that at this moment in Exodus chapter 1, 70 Jewish people move into the land of Egypt. That's how it starts. So let's keep reading in Exodus 1, 6 through 12. See what happens here. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful. They increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. Like not just like, oh, they had big families, but listen to what that said. And became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. In verse 8, a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So that's what they were thinking. They were thinking, like, if the Assyrians come by and they want to fight us, well, the Israelites, well, the Jewish people, they will then join the Assyrians and they'll attack us and they'll leave Egypt and we won't have them anymore and they're going to all, like, destroy us. Keep going in verse 11. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters, in other words, slave drivers, over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And you can keep reading there. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. Now, keep that in mind that we just read that the the Egyptians made the Israelites' life incredibly miserable. And yet, by the middle of the book of Numbers, the Israelites are looking at Moses and saying, why did you take us out of here? We loved Egypt so much. Why are we wandering in the wilderness? And Keep in mind what we just read. Their lives were oppressed and miserable. So what happens is 70 people enter. Several generations later, what happens? They keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And by the end of the 400 years in Egypt, which is how many years they had from the time they moved in until the Exodus, and they crossed the Red Sea and left, how many men were then counted in the tribes at that day? We did that back on day one, the homework, I think it was page three, when you had to write the tribes. 603,550 males over the age of 20 that could be in the fighting, that could be in the fighting men. 600,000 men. They say that it was probably close to 2 million people. They began with 70 people and generations later, 600,000 fighting men and 2 million people. It just really gets me. I want to look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. We're going to go back and look at that chart. If you have the chart, the line of succession, the, I don't know what you would call this. What is this? A family tree. That's it. A family tree. When you look at the family tree, the top of our family tree in this picture is Abraham and Sarah. 
Okay, we're going to go back. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. The Lord said to Abram, he wasn't Abraham yet, he was still Abram, go out from your land, go out from your relatives, go out from your father's house. To the land I will show you, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is what they're talking about. They're talking about the land of Canaan. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give your off, this to your offspring. Remember, he says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a great nation. And when we look at this family tree that starts with two little people who don't even have a baby at the time, Abraham and Sarah, who have Isaac, who then has Jacob, who with these four women has 12 sons who become and represent the 12 tribes of Israel. It's true. That's, I just need you to see that if God tells you, go, do, this is going to happen. This is what he said to Abraham and Sarah. It seems impossible. But you know what? It happened. It took years, but it happened. It didn't make a lot of sense, but it happened. God had a plan, and he says, this is what is going to happen. And if God says that to you, then it will happen. And you might be waiting on a thing that God showed you a really long time ago. You might be waiting on a thing that God told you yesterday. Keep waiting. Look at that family tree entering the country, the, the country of Egypt, the nation of Egypt, with 70 of them. And they become nearly 2 million people generations later. You, Abraham couldn't see it. There was a few of them in this family when he died. Isaac, he couldn't see it. There was a few of them in his family when he died. And his family was so wrecked between Jacob and Esau and all sorts of family trouble that he had. And then Jacob... Isaac's son couldn't see it because when they moved into Egypt, there were only 70 of them. But it did happen. So we have to remember then in the book of Genesis. Now, as we're reading these chapters in Numbers, you have to be able to step back and see the larger picture of God at work. What is happening in the book of Numbers? The things that are happening now are the things that Abraham wished he could have seen at that time. It's amazing. Okay, we're going to move on. Enough of that because I could keep talking and preaching about that because it's amazing what God did in that and we just to try to just grasp our minds around what he promised and what he said and now here we are in numbers and we're looking at it happen I have four I call them random sticky facts four random sticky facts they're sticky because they're just I don't know that I can fully understand um, explain all of them and they're not even on your handout or your paper just jot them down and have them in your mind they don't fit anywhere else so I just stick them right here okay Four random sticky facts. First of all, Jacob. He was the dad of the 12 guys. He gets a new name. Uh, you can read that in Genesis. Yes, in his story that God gives him the name Israel, which means he has become a receptacle in which God can be received and retained. 
I probably should have put that as a blank on your form because that was really good. It means he has become a receptacle, a place to receive, a place to input in which God can be received and retained. And I love that. It's a really complicated name. A lot of Hebrew study has happened. Um, they kind of said like, this is the over, like it, in a verb tense, this is what it means. And an adjective, this is what it means. And when you put this in the noun, this is what it means. But overall, the essence of what Israel means, when Jacob got renamed, he has become a receptacle in which God can be received and retained. And if you think about that, for the people of Israel, for the Israelites, they became a receptacle. They were the receptacle in which God was received and could be retained, even when they rejected him. It was possible. What was promised to them and what should have happened for them was to be a receptacle in which God can be received and retained. That's sticky number fact number one. Number two, so the children that come from Jacob, who is now renamed Israel, and grow into this entire nation are called the Israelites. That should make logical sense, but sometimes I need somebody to explain it to me and say, oh, that's why they're the Israelites. That's why there's 12 tribes. Okay, speaking of 12 tribes, random sticky fact number three, Joseph, the guy from Egypt who got sold, that 12th brother, he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Instead of Joseph getting his own tribe, he is not one of the tribes that is named he is one of the sons, but he's not one of the tribes. His sons split his tribe and each get their own tribe in Joseph's place, which is why we don't have a tribe of Joseph. We have a tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh and a tribe of Manasseh, two separate tribes. Well, that doesn't make sense because this would leave 13 tribes. So that is our random sticky fact number four. We cannot have 13 tribes because the Bible doesn't talk about 13 tribes. It talks about the 12 tribes. We know there are 12 tribes, so which group is not listed or shown in the blanks when you did your homework, when you surrounded the tabernacle, who is set apart, who is not included when we list the 12 tribes in future books like the book of Numbers? It is the Levites. So the son Levi gets special assignments that he is not considered one of the, tri the 12 tribes. Um, it's the 12 tribes plus the Levites. Okay, that is the random... Sticky facts. Now, we have to remind ourselves, this is, now we're going to move into the second thing about the Passover. We need to remind ourselves what is happening at the first Passover when God passed over and killed all the firstborn males in Egypt before we can jump into Numbers 3, which is where your homework is going to come from this week. So the Israelites, they are slaves in Egypt, and Moses has been selected by God to go and lead them out of there. And Moses gave a lot of excuses and reasons why he shouldn't be the guy for that task. Um, I can't speak very well. I don't want to do it. Please make somebody else do it. Who are they, how are they even going to believe me? A lot of excuses and reasons why he just shouldn't be that guy. But eventually he and his brother Aaron understand there's nothing you can do about it. God has chosen you. This is your calling. You don't have a choice. You're going to do this. So if you're familiar again, these are stories we're familiar with, but we need to put them in the context and remind ourselves so we're ready to handle numbers. God sends 10 plagues, and I would like 
for everybody to think, even if you're like there listening to this for a second, you can push pause on your podcast and just listen. How many plagues can you name without looking in the Bible? And if you're in a group and you're listening to this or you're there by yourself, go ahead, hit pause. Just write down, jot down with a pencil real quick any of the plagues that you can name. There are 10 of them. Uh, Tim and I had this quiz the other day. We did this quiz and I got 8 out of 10. And I felt pretty good about that, except I've been studying this a lot. So you would think I should have gotten 10 out of 10. Um, So just push pause. I'm going to give you a second right here. Okay, so God sends 10 plagues. The plagues are the water turned to blood, frogs, gnats, flies, death of the livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and death of a firstborn. I look over those, I have read those, and I try to think which one would I least like to endure and which one wouldn't bother me quite as much. I don't know. But like, I don't, uh, I do not like frogs. I really don't like frogs. But those gnats, the little tiny ones that are going to fly in your nose and in your mouth and everything, I'm not about that. So I don't know. Um, And of course, the death of the firstborn, like, yes, that's the significant. I guess I was thinking of the top nine. What could I handle? So I don't know. None of them. So finally, after the 10th horrific plague, Pharaoh says, get out of here, go away. And we're going to look at that in the word of God. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. Exodus 12, 29 through 32. Now at midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and every firstborn of the livestock. During the night, Pharaoh got up, he along with all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud wailing throughout Egypt because there wasn't a house without someone dead. He summoned Moses and Aaron during the night and said, Get out immediately from among my people, both you and the Israelites, and go, worship the Lord as you have said. Take even your flocks and your herds as you asked and leave And also, bless me. I love that as he says, like, okay, your God is clearly powerful enough. Get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. Take all your stuff. You asked for to take your flocks and herds and everything. Just as you asked, just leave exactly how you asked. Oh, by the way, can you bless me? You know Pharaoh. Oh, Pharaoh. So we're also going to read Exodus 13, 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, Consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites both man and domestic animal, it is mine. So God makes it very clear. He has spared every one of the firstborn males of the Israelite people as they put the blood on the doorpost and sacrificed the lamb to take the place of the firstborn. So he has spared every one of those. But in chapter 13, what he says now clearly is, those firstborn males, they belong to me. It is mine. That would have been the firstborn of every tribe, of every clan, of every family. He says, it is mine. In this week's homework, you're going to find out what God does with those firstborns and how he exchanges them for the entire tribe of Levites. So I need to just set this up for you and say, look, right here in Exodus 13, the Lord spoke to Moses, which we underline as important, pay attention. Those firstborn that have been rescued and saved, they belong to me. They're mine. Okay. So now for our third topic tonight, we have a lot to cover. Um, The Levites. I absolutely love the Levites. I mean, well, 
I love most of the Levites. Some of them turn really rotten in later times and later books and later experiences. They're just no good. But I just love the Levites. I love their passion for the things of God. I love their passion for wanting to live in holiness and rightness and justice and godliness. Um, and I love that they are specially called for the worship side of things as opposed to all the other 12 tribes who are called for the war. I just, I just love them. I love them. So let's dig in. So as we mentioned, the Levites, they are no longer counted as one of the 12 tribes. It's the 12 tribes plus Levites. So how do they get separated? I mean, why was it the Levites that get separated? Why not the Naphtali tribe get separated? Or why not the Judah tribe? Or why not the Benjamin tribe? Or even why not one of those tribes of Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, why not one of them get a special um, calling out? Well, they have a bit of history, the Levites do, for standing up for what is right, even if it caused them difficulty. I'm just going to tell you the story. You can go look at it. Um, we'll read a little portion of it, but I'll give you an up, I'll set it up for you. In Genesis chapter 34, we read about the story of Jacob. Remember, he was also named Israel. If you go look at that family tree chart, he has all these sons, and then he has one daughter named Dinah. She's in the family tree. Well, there was a Hivite living nearby. Um, we don't, I don't know any Hivites today, but I don't think we have a country of Hivite anymore anyhow. But there was a Hivite named Shechem, and he saw Dinah, and he really liked her. And he actually went and raped her, and then he wanted to claim her, and he wanted to marry her. Well, the dads, that would be Shechem's dad and Dinah's dad, who is Jacob, Israel, and um, Shechem's dad, who is, I can't think of his name right now, but I think we're going to read it in the passage. Um, they get to talking. They agree to let Dinah marry Shechem if all the Hivite men will circumcise themselves because no good Jewish person would allow their daughter to marry an uncircumcised male. So they set this up. Jacob says, okay, you can marry my daughter, but all of you have to be circumcised. And that would be the sign that you belong to the Lord. That would be the sign that um, you can you worship the Lord and you're in line with the rest of the Jewish people. That would be acceptable. Okay, so now we're going to turn and look at a little bit of the story here in Genesis 34, verses 24 through 27. So let me say it again just to catch it. Genesis 34, 24 to 27. And all the men who had come to the city gates listened to Hamor. That was um, Shechem's dad. Let me start over. All the men who came to the city gates listened to Hamor and his son Shechem. And all those men were circumcised. He convinced them to go ahead. Everybody here, all the men, let's get circumcised. On the third day, when they were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers took their swords. They went into the unsuspecting city and killed every male. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with their swords. They took Dinah from Shechem's house and went away. And Jacob's sons came to the slaughter and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. Now, that does cause some controversy. But basically, when the entire city of men, they get circumcised and they're still in pain, like the Bible says, they're still recovering, two of those brothers, who? Simeon and Levi. 
they go in and say, this is not going to happen. You will not wrong our sister in this way. You will not defile her. This is horrible. We do not stand for this. This is not what we believe. This is not acceptable to us. And they just stood up to all these men who happened to be in pain and they couldn't really fight back very well. But I just really respect that. Now, it led to a little bit of trouble, but God never corrected them or condemned their behavior. God never said, you shouldn't have done that, so therefore there's a, there's a consequence to this. Jacob, their dad, the 12 guys' dad, he said, you guys are going to cause trouble for me because you went and did that. You really are going to cause trouble. And God had the family up and move to Bethel, I believe. Um, so they go and live in Bethel because they just said, you know what, this is going to cause a little bit of a squirmish. But there was no punishment from God for them doing this and standing up for their sister. Uh, I just, I appreciate what they did there. So I really like them. But later in Exodus, we're going to see. The Levites are the guys as an entire tribe. They stand up for what is godly and right again. Um, last week I had mentioned, I think I mentioned here that while Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, Aaron and the people were down below. They were making the golden calf and worshiping the idol. And when Moses came down, he was really ticked off. And he ground that gold into powder and he threw it in their drinking water and the Israelite people had to drink it. That's what happened um, when Moses was mad. But there is more. I want to read Exodus 32. This is the last passage. I promise y'all get to stop tossing and turning in your Bible. Um, Exodus chapter 32, verses 25 through 29. This was after he came down and he saw the golden calf. And he had them. I think it's after he crushed it and they drank it as well, I believe. Moses saw, verse 25, Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them get out of control making them a laughingstock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Did you see that? He says, he stands at the camp entrance and he says, Okay, whoever is for the Lord, if you are on the Lord's side and you're not going to put up with this nonsense that's going on with this golden calf, whoever is for the Lord, the one true God, come to me. And who does it say gathered around him? And all the Levites gathered around him. And he told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Every man fasten his sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from entrance to entrance. And each of you kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded. And about 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. Now, I can't say that I love that. I don't love the story. I don't love the fact that they have to go kill their neighbors and their friends and their brothers. But they said, we will stand with the Lord our God. And if you're not doing that, and again, in Old Testament laws, things work differently than they do now. If you're not doing that, then you are not with us. And they said, we choose the Lord God over our friend. We choose the Lord God over our neighbor. We choose the Lord God over our brother to please him and live a holy life as he has called us to. So what happens, verse 29, afterward, Moses said, Today you have been dedicated to the Lord. Since each man went against his son and against his brother, therefore you have brought a blessing on yourselves today. So the Levites were the guys that just stood for the Lord when everyone else had turned away to that golden calf God. And there was something about this. And they were the smallest tribe that stood out to the Lord. So they were chosen for him. They were the tribe that stood in the middle of all the chaos that Aaron had created. 
and didn't fall for it. They wanted godliness and they wanted justice. So we're going to see that that's really important as we dig into the rest of it and find out where these Levites come from to know the Passover and how God claimed each one of the male firstborn and how the Levites were the ones chosen specifically because of their behavior and the way that they followed God and wanted to be the God's one true people and they knew that he was their one true God. So I'm super excited. Get into this week's homework. I hope you come away loving the Levites as much as I do. Again, they're not perfect, but their calling was so high and they understood that the things of God mattered the most. They, they had such an important task. Their job was not just to make sure that worship happened, but their job, as you will see as weeks are done, that their job was to worship and lead the people in worship, but also to protect the whole camp because of the holiness of God. As you dig into chapter 3 of Numbers this week, look at the details. Look for what you can see about God's character and look and see what that means for our lives today. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get week 2 homework done. Let's keep digging into the book of Numbers. It's a fantastic book. Thanks, y'all.